I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, hello, and uh, welcome to the Leaves of Glen Mansion. It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and not just recording in my basement. This is where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. This week, you're going to continue to read Peter Pan by pedophile J.M. Barry. I don't know how much more of this I'm going to read. Uh, he's a horrible human being. I could go into the whole about the author thing, how he was born in May of 1860 and died the 19th of June 1937, but I have no love for this man. I did, because in this description of his life, uh, it says that he met the Llewellyn Davies boys at a park and uh, basically kind of wrote this story about them. And I thought, eh, potentially creepy, but uh, maybe... Back then, whenever you read any classic literature, people are really weirdly affectionate with each other, or their mothers. And so I thought, okay, maybe back then it was considered normal, but by today's standards, you beat the crap out of them. But uh, then we found out that after the parents died, he officially adopted them, um, and then just kind of took care of them from then. And then he gave the works of Peter Pan, he licensed or whatever, gave the licensing to the Great Ormond Street Hospital for Children in London. So originally I thought, oh, sounds like a nice man. He was made a baronet by George V and a member of the Order of Merit. And I thought, oh, good. A nice man finally gets nice things happening to him because he's a good person. No, as we learned in the last episode of my fun facts uh, from SheKnows.com, uh, he's a human garbage. He basically stole these kids from relatives that actually could have taken care of them. He forged the mother's will to say that he should take care of them. Uh, and then we left off with, uh, he enjoyed taking photographs of the boys. Okay, so fun fact number two, Barry's unusually close relationship with Michael and George. Barry enjoyed taking photographs of the boys with them sometimes in homemade costumes and often wearing no clothes at all. Today, that would seem highly suspicious, yes, obviously, but Barry presented an innocent front to the adults around him. Despite writing about the joy of undressing and sleeping next to a young boy, Barry's book, The Little White Bird, published in 1902, was a thinly veiled account of his relationship with George. While the book was incredibly popular when it was published, why, I don't understand, the following passage just feels obsessive. I lay thinking of this little boy, who, in the midst of his play, while I undressed him, had suddenly buried his head on my knees, dot, 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 of David's dripping little form in the bath, and how I essayed to catch him, and he slipped from my arms like a trout, or of how I stood at the open door, listening to his sweet breathing, had uh, stood so long I forgot his name. <clears throat> Letter with the Creepy Candle reference? In June of 1908, Barry wrote uh, this note to Michael for his eighth birthday. I wish I could be with you and your candles. You look uh, on me as one of your candles, uh, the one that burns badly, the greasy one, 
that is bent in the middle, but still, hooray, I'm Michael's candle. Dear Michael, I'm very fond of you, but don't tell anybody. The line's the greasy one that is bent in the middle and don't tell anyone gives us chills. Yeah, it gives me chills too. Barry was not good at the ladies. Uh, Dudgeon suggested that Barry was impotent and most likely never consummated his marriage to actress Mary Ansel, who wrote about her husband, love in its fullest sense could never be felt by him or experience. She eventually had an affair with one of Barry's friends, which led to their divorce. Uh, George died on the battlefield. Both George and Peter volunteered to serve in World War I. Some historians think that this was a way for the young man to get away from Barry. Sadly, George died in Belgium from a gunshot wound to the head. Uh, he was only 21. Michael's possible suicide pact with his gay lover. When he was also just 21 years old, Michael drowned along with another young man known to be his lover. In what many biographers think was a suicide pact, the drowning occurred in a section of the Thames River called Sanford Lock that was notorious for its dangerous currents. Peter's Suicide In 1960, at the age of 63, Peter threw himself under a train. This was after he destroyed almost all the letters from Barry to the Davies boys, saying that they were simply too much. So keep that all in mind while we read this supposedly delightful story that also involves racism with Native Americans. One racist comment, and I'm not reading this thing, and I'm done. Well, why don't you settle in and enjoy Chapter uh, 6, The Little House. Foolish Toodles eh, was standing like a conqueror over Wendy's body when the other boys sprang, armed, from their trees. You are too late, he cried proudly. I have shot the Wendy. Peter will be so pleased with me. Overhead, Tinkerbell shouted, Silly ass! <laughs> darted into hiding. The others did not hear her. They had crowded around Wendy, and as they looked, a terrible silence fell upon the wood. If Wendy's heart had been beating, they would have all heard it. Slightly eh, was the first to speak. This is no bird, he said in a scared voice. I think this must be a lady. A lady, said Tootles, and fell a-trembling. And we have killed her, Nib said hoarsely. Oh, they all whipped off their caps. Now I see, Curly said. Peter was bringing her to us, and he threw himself sorrowfully to the ground. A lady to take care of us at last, said one of the twins, and you have killed her. Oh, they were sorry for him, but sorrier for themselves. And when they took a step nearer, they... They turned from him. Toodle's face was very white, but there was a dignity about him now that he had never seen before. I did it, he said, reflecting. When ladies used to come to me in dreams, I said, pretty mother, pretty mother, but when at last she really came, I shot her. He moved slowly away. Don't go, they called in pity. I must, he answered, shaking. I am so afraid of Peter. It was at this tragic moment that they heard a sound which made the heart of every one of them rise to his mouth. Oh, they heard Peter crow. Peter! Eh, they cried, for it was always thus that he signaled his return. Hide her, they whispered, and they gathered hastily around Wendy, but Toodles eh, stood aloof. Again came that ringing crow, and Peter dropped in front of them. Greetings, boys, he cried, and mechanically they saluted, uh, and then again was silence. He frowned. I, I'm back, he said hotly. Why do, you, why do you not cheer? They opened their mouths, but the cheers would not come. He overlooked it in his haste to tell the glorious tidings. 
Great news, boys, he cried. I brought at last a mother for you all. Mm, yeah, yeah, this is gross. Still no sound except for a little thud from Toodles as he dropped on his knees. Have you not seen her? asked Peter, becoming troubled. She flew, uh, hey, this way. Ah, me, one voice said, and another said, oh, mournful day. Toodles rose. Peter, he said quietly, I will show her to you. And when the others would still have hidden her in the back, uh, back twins, let Peter see. So they all stood back and let him see. And after he had looked for a little time, he did not know what to do next. She's dead, he said uncomfortably. Uh, perhaps she's frightened at being dead. He thought of hopping off in a comedic sort of way until he was out of sight of her, and then never going near the spot anymore. Well, that's nice of him. And they would have all had been glad to follow this if he had done it. Uh, but there was the arrow. He took it from her heart and faced his band. Who's arrow, he demanded sternly. Mine, Peter, said Toodles on his knees. Oh, dastard hand, Peter said as he raised the arrow to use it as a dagger. Toodles did not flinch. He bared his breast. Strike, Peter, he said firmly. Strike true. Twice did Peter raise the arrow, and twice did his hand fall. I cannot strike, he said with awe. There is something stays my hand. All looked at him in wonder, uh, save Nibs, who fortunately looked at Wendy. Uh, it is she, he cried, the Wendy lady. See her arm? Wonderful to relate, Wendy had raised her arm. Nibs bent over her and listened reverently. I think she said, poor Toodles, he whispered. She lives, Peter said briefly. Uh, slightly cried instantly, uh, the Wendy lady lives. And then Peter upside her and found his button. Oh, you remember uh, she had put it on a chain that he wore around his neck. See, he said, the arrow struck against this. It is a kiss I gave her, and it saved her life. I remember kisses. Slightly imposed quickly. <laughs> Let me see it. Hey, that's a kiss. Peter did not hear him. He was begging Wendy to get better quickly. So that he uh, could show her the mermaids. Oh, of course, she did not answer yet, still uh, being still in a frightful fate. But from overhead uh, came a wailing note. Listen to Tink, said Curly. Ah, she's crying because Wendy lives. And then they had to tell Peter of Tink's crime, and almost never had they seen him look so stern. Listen, uh, Tink Bell, he cried. I'm, uh, I'm your friend no more. Uh, be gone from me forever. She flew on his shoulder and, and pleaded, but he brushed her off. Not until Wendy again raised her arm did he relent sufficiently to say, well, not forever, but for a whole week. Do you think Tinkerbell was grateful to Wendy for raising her arm? Oh, dear, no. Never wanted to pinch her so much. Fairies indeed are strange, and Peter, who understood them the best, often cuffed them. Hey, what, uh, what's it do with Wendy in her present delicate state of health? Ah, uh, let's carry her down to the house. Curly suggested. Aye, he said slightly. Uh, that is one with, uh, what one does with ladies. No, no, said Peter. You must not touch her. It would not be sufficiently respectful. That, said slightly, is what I was thinking. But if she lies here, Toodle said, she will die. A, uh, she will die, slightly admitted. But uh, there's no way out. Yes, there is, said Peter. Let us build a little house around her. Eh, eh. And they were all delighted. Quick, he ordered them. Bring me each of you the best of what we have. Got our house. Ah, be sharp. In a moment, they were as busy as tailors the night before wedding. <laughs> and they scurried this way and that, down for the bedding and up for the firewood. And while they were at it, uh, who should appear but John and Michael? As they dragged along the ground, they fell asleep, standing. Uh, stopped, woke up, moved another step, slept again. John, uh, John, Michael would cry. Uh, wake up. Where's Nana, John, and Mother? And then John would rub his eyes and mutter, It is true, we did fly. 
Oh, you may be sure that they were relieved to find Peter. Oh, hello, Peter, he said. Uh, hello, replied Peter amicably, though he had quite forgotten about them. Uh, he was very busy at the moment measuring Wendy with his feet to see how large of a house she would need. And of course, he meant to leave room for chairs and a table. John and Michael watched him. Is uh, uh, Wendy asleep? They asked. Uh, yes. John, Michael proposed, uh, let us wake her up and take her to make supper for us. Jesus, they're just putting her to work right away. She really is supposed to be the mother of this story. But as he said, uh, some of the other boys rushed on, carrying branches for them, building the house. Look at them, he cried. Curly, said Peter in his most captainly voice, see that these boys help in some building of the house. Aye, aye, sir. Uh, build a house, exclaimed John. Yeah, for the Wendy, said Curly. Uh, for Wendy, John said aghast. Why? She's, she's, only a, uh, she's only a girl. That, explained Curly, is why we are her servants. You, Wendy's servants? Yes, said Peter, and you also. Away with them. The astounded brothers were dragged away to hack and cue and carry. Chairs and offender first, Peter ordered, then we shall build a house around them. I uh, said slightly, this is uh, how a house is built. It all comes back to me. Peter thought of everything. Slightly, uh, he cried. Fetch a doctor. Aye, aye, uh, said slightly at once and disappeared, scratching his head. But he knew Peter must be obeyed. And uh, he returned in a moment wearing John's hat and looked solemn. Uh, Please, sir, said Peter, going to him. Are you a doctor? A doctor is something that brings to mind uh, a certain person I know. Normally, at this point, I read a commercial about Dorglass Incorporated. It's D-O-R-G-L-A-S-S dot com. Uh, the man, Stephen Dorglass, who built this uh, business from the ground up, I don't have a commercial for him. Why? Because he didn't pay me. Why? Because he's back at home with a bladder infection. He isn't working anymore. Well, the man that's as important as Stephen Dorglass, who has commercial storefronts, automatic entrances, windows, patio doors, mirrors, shower doors, installation, they repair and they'll design and build anything you want. He has clients like Pottery Barn, Williams, Sonoma, Sherman, Williams, Portillo's, The Salt Cave, and Applebee's. Uh, this is an important man who's currently laid up at home, not making any money because of his bladder. Is why he should be taking Azo, a man bladder control with uh, patented go less technology. Frustrated by waking up in the middle of the night with the urge to go to the bathroom, now it's impacted the quality of your sleep. Uh, even though you just went, you feel the urge to go again. Whoa, try new Azo, men, uh, trademark, bladder control. The supplement designed to help men maintain healthy bladder control and reduce that occasional urgency. Oh, it can help support your normal healthy flow. Yeah. It, it contains a clinical, clinical strength, go less. <laughs> Register mark. Men sourced from uh, pumpkin seed extract and comes in a convenient one capsule a day serving. Oh, and the unique formula is designed specifically for men and has been shown to support urinary, bladder, and prostate health. If only he would take uh, Azo, men bladder control, with a patented uh, clinical strength, go less, but he won't do it. So he's not paying me and I'm not going to do his commercial. So with that, why don't we go up to my master bedroom so I can make sex with you as you read to me the latest upcoming romance novels from Penguin Random House Books. All right. Hold on. For Christ's sake, hold on. I'm coming. Uh, uh, you dress the same. You're wearing the exact same clothes you wore when you came over here. Except you got a lanyard. Uh, well, you're gesturing towards the book here on my giant heart-shaped waterbed. Love on the Brain by Allie Hazelwood. Uh, about Love on the Brain? From the New York Times best-selling author of uh, The Love Hypothesis comes a new staminist <laughs> rom-com. 
which is a scientist is forced to work on a project with her nemesis with explosive results. Like an avenging purple-haired Jedi bringing balance to the mansplained universe, B. Konigswasser <laughs> lives by a simple code. What would Mary Curie do? If NASA offered her a lead on a neuroengineering project, a literal dream come true after years of scraping by on crumbs of academia, Mary would accept without hesitation. Duh! But the mother of modern physics never had to co-lead with Levi Ward. Oh, sure, Levi's attractive, tall, dark, piercing guy's kind of way, but sure, he, he caught her in his powerfully uh, corded arms like a romance novel hero when she accidentally damseled in distress on her first day in the lab. But Levi made his feelings towards B very clear in grad school. Arch nemesis, eh, work best employed in their own galaxies far, far away. This is great. Now her equipment is missing. The staff is ignoring her, and B finds her floundering career in somewhat of a pickle. Perhaps it's her occupational cortex playing tricks on her, but B could swear that she could see Levi softening into an ally, mm, backing, her, backing her plays, seconding her ideas, devouring her with those eyes and the possibilities of all the neurons firing. Uh, but when it comes time to actually make a move and put her heart on the line, there's only one question that matters. What will be Conzing Swagger ugh, do? That's Love on the Brain by Allie Hazelwood, who's currently on tour. Isn't that fun? Uh, it's paperback, 17 bucks, coming out on August 23rd, 2022. You can get it at Amazon, Barnes Noble, Books, Hudson Booksellers, Indiebound, Powell's, Target, and Walmart. Well, I'm not horny anymore because that was boring and ridiculous. So with that, why don't we go back down to the library and continue reading this pedophile story. Well, there you go. Why don't you get yourself settled in? Uh, I see you took the lanyard off. I appreciate your sacrifice. Let's see how far we get in this story. Like I said, one racist remark or something really creepy about kids, uh, like real creepy, and I'm dropping this story because I already hate this author with all my heart. He's a horrible, evil man. So let's see how far we get. The clock's ticking. Please, sir, said Peter, going to him. Are you a doctor? The difference between him and the other boys at such a time was that they knew it was make-believe, while to him make-believe and true were exactly the same thing. This sometimes troubled them, and when they had to make-believe that they had had their dinners, if they broke down in their make-believe, he wrapped them on the knuckles. Yes, my little man, slightly anxiously replied, who had chapped knuckles. Please, sir, Peter explained, a lady lies very ill. She was lying at their feet, but slightly had the sense not to see her. Tut, 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 he said. Where does she lie? In yonder glade. Now put a glass thing in her mouth. What? Said slightly, as he made believe to do so with it. And while Peter waited, and it was an anxious moment when the glass thing was withdrawn. How is she? Inquired Peter. Tut, 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 he said slightly. This has cured her. Well, I'm glad, Peter cried. And I will call again in the evening, slightly said. Uh, give her a brief tea out of a cup with a spout on it. Uh, but after he had returned the hat to John, he blew big breaths, which is the habit on escaping from difficulty. In the meantime, the wood had been alive with the sound of axes. Almost everything needed for a cozy dwelling already lay at Wendy's feet. If only we knew, said one, the kind of house she likes best. Peter... Burp, shouted another. Burp, buh. She is moving in her sleep. 
Her mouth opens, cries the third, looking respectfully into it. Oh, lovely, gross. Perhaps uh, she is going to sing in her sleep, said Peter. Wendy, sing the kind of house you would like to have. Immediately, without opening her eyes, Wendy began to sing. I am not going to sing. I wish I had a pretty house, the littlest ever seen, with the funny little red walls and a roof of mossy green. Well, they gurgled with joy at this. What does that sound like? Oh. Uh, by for the, the greatest good luck, the branches that they had brought were sticky with red sap, and all the ground was carpeted with moss. And as they rattled up the little house, they broke into song themselves. Ah, we built the little uh, walls and roof and made a lovely door. So uh, tell us, Mother Wendy, uh, what, do you, what do you want more? To this she answered greedily, Oh, really, next I think I'll have gay windows all about with roses peeping in, you know, and, and babies peeping out. With a blow of their fists, they made windows. The large yellow leaves were the blinds. But roses? Roses, cried Peter sternly. Quickly, they made believe to grow the loveliest roses up the walls. Babies? To prevent Peter ordering babies, they hurried into song again. We've made uh, the roses peeping out. Uh, the, the babies are at the door. We cannot make ourselves, you know, because we've, we've been made before. Peter, seeing this to be a good idea, at once pretended that it was his own. The house was just like any other CEO asshole. The house was quite beautiful, and uh, no doubt Wendy was very cozy within, though of course they could no longer see her. Peter strode up and down, ordering finishing touches. Nothing, nothing escaped his eagle eyes. Just when it seemed absolutely finished, there's no knocker on the door, he said. Ah, they were all ashamed, but Toodles gave the sole of his shoe, which made an excellent knocker. <laughs> Absolutely finished now, they thought. Not a bit of it. There's no chimney, Peter said. We must have a chimney. It certainly uh, does need a chimney, said John importantly. This gave Peter an idea. He snatched the hat off of John's head and he knocked out the bottom and he put the hat on the roof. And the little house was so pleased to have such a capital chimney that, as if to say thank you, uh, smoke immediately began to come out of the hat. Now, really and truly, it was finished. Nothing remained to do but to knock. All look your best, Peter warned them. First impressions are awfully important. He was glad that no one asked him what his first impressions were because they were all too busy looking the best. Uh, he knocked politely, and now the wood was as still as the children. Not a sound to be heard except from Tinkerbell, eh, who was watching from a branch and uh, openly sneering. What the boys were wondering was, uh, would anyone wonder, er, wonder, answer the knock? If a lady, uh, what would she be like? The door opened and a lady came out. It was Wendy. Oh, they all whipped off their hats. Oh, she looked properly surprised, and this was just how they had hoped that she would look. Well, uh, where, uh, where am I? Uh, she said. Of course, slightly was the first to get his word in. Uh, Wendy, lady, he said rapidly. For you, we built this house. Oh, say you're pleased, cried Nibs. Lovely, darling house, Wendy said, and they were all very, uh, the very words that they had hoped she would say. Uh, we're all your children, cried the twins. Then all went on their knees, and holding out their arms, cries, Oh, oh, Wendy, lady, be our mother! God, that's so weird. Ought I, Wendy said, all shining. Of course, it's frighteningly fascinating, but you see, I'm only a uh, uh, little girl, uh, and I have no real experience. Well, that doesn't matter, said Peter, as if he were the only person present who knew all about it, though he was really the one who knew the least. Uh, what we need is just another, uh, a, a nice motherly person. 
Oh, dear, Wendy said. You see, I feel this is exactly what I am. Ah, it is, it is, they all cried, and they saw it at once. Very well, she said. I will do my best. Come inside at once, you naughty children. <laughs> I'm sure your feet are damp. And Before I put you to bed, I have uh, time to finish the story of uh, Cinderella. <laughs> in they went. I don't know how there was enough room for them, but you can squeeze very tight in the Neverland, and that was the first thing that many joyous evenings that they had with Wendy. And by and by, she tucked them up in the great bed in the home under the trees, but she herself slept that night in the little house, and Peter kept watch outside with drawn sword. For the pirates could be heard carousing far away and the wolves were on the prowl. Oh boy, we're getting close to something racist. The little house looked so cozy and safe in the darkness with a bright light showing through its blinds and the chimney smoking beautifully and Peter standing on guard. After a time, I fell asleep and some unsteady fairies came to climb over him on the way to the home uh, to, to form an orgy. What? Let's back up for a second. To climb over him on their way home. Oh, from an orgy. That's disturbing. Any of the other boys obstructing the fairy path at night, they would have had, uh, have had mischief, mischief. But they just tweaked Peter's nose and passed on. Should I give up now that they mentioned an orgy from the fairies? Uh, this just says, if I look up in the dictionary, the term orgies is just a wild party. So ex excessive drinking. Oh, an unrestrained sexual activity. Uh, I don't know if that counts for me uh, cutting this goddamn book off. The fairies are coming back from an orgy. Hun! If I want to give up on this book, if they're racist or say anything sexually explicit toward children, just said that the fairies, like Tinkerbell, came back from a party that was an orgy. And I looked up the definition of orgy just in case by their standards it was something different. It does say uh, a party with excessive drinking and sexual activity. Can I be done with this story? Okay, well, that's the last time I'm reading this story. Thanks, hon. <laughs> We're recording. <laughs> yep, I think once you bring the word orgy and by the standards of the time, it still means unrestrained sexual activity. That means this book is crap, written by a pedophile, and screw this guy. So I am officially done with this book. Can I get on a soapbox? Go nuts. Help yourself, my friend. Hi, this is Gertie Nuzzles. Loving wife of Glenn Nuzzles. Uh, normalize abandoning a book for any reason, even if it's considered uh, to be within the zeitgeist of good literature. <laughs> if you don't like it, you don't have to dedicate your, uh, you know, time towards it. That's a good point. Go I find did, something you do like. When you read enough of these old stories, you get so used to the racism that you sort of... You don't tolerate it, but I guess you just like, I don't know, you build a, I, it's hard to explain. So he was you mentioning, make excuses for it I guess it's, 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 it's time and stuff. Yeah. And so his stuff about native Americans was just really on the edge of like, I want to be done. This is horse shit. He wasn't saying anything too slurry because for its time, it wasn't considered a slur, but it's still really offensive and gross and it's pissing me off. I'm glad he said orgy. So I don't have to read what he has to say about native Americans ever again. So thank you for giving me an out. You're adorable. Let's normalize giving up on books. Give up on books. <laughs> well, with that, why don't we go to the smoking room to talk about this horrible book I am officially not going to read anymore. <laughs> Thank you.
Well, there you are. Came down here in the smoking room. Oh, is it a relief that we can stop reading that goddamn book written by an actual pedophile? A pedophile that ruined the lives of the people that he decided to be all... Yeah, there's that damn bird. Uh, is there a god? If there is a god, why does he allow horrible people to be successful and continue what they're doing as they destroy other people's lives? Uh, it seems like a kind of a, a weird loophole that God allows because J.M. Barry uh, died a celebrated man whose story got picked up by Disney and turned into a delightful little story that's also pretty racist. That's part of the reason why Disney took uh, Peter Pan off the market and hasn't shown it because I think they're trying to figure out a way to edit out all the Native American stuff. Uh, they definitely cleaned up Tinkerbell and made her palatable because she's not going to orgies anymore or trying to kill children. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this story sucked. I'm glad I'm done. Uh, what happened in this chapter? Who cares? It was written by a pedophile. Uh, so with that, why don't we just, uh, call it a day and, uh, go home and try not to think about this crap anymore. So I got, a uh, another book lined up, a gothic romance book again. That'll be more fun to read and hopefully less racist or pedophile-like. Uh, well, with that, uh, thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people. Not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. We can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, uh, along with episodes from the Book Boys and uh, blah, blah, blah. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is uh, House Nuzzle. And conveniently enough, uh, Twitter, which is also at House Nuzzle. Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name instead of just a house nuzzle. So you got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's one left. <laughs>